Christmas is the season of giving, but it can be difficult to know who on your list wants what. Save yourself the guesswork by giving the gift of choice. Whether you're buying for the foodie, fashionista or homebird of the family, they'll love a Dunn Stores gift card. They can choose from everything we have in store and online, from fashion to homewares to groceries. It's the perfect choice to make this Christmas. Visit dunstores.com for details. Make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. Testing the mic. Oh my god. It sucks. Well, it's my podcast. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> Welcome to my podcast, Mom and Mystery. Were you recording that? Yeah. Oh my god. My name is Kelly. I'm freaking Austin. That's my husband. We get along pretty well. Um, anyway. It sounds like we're narrating a movie. <laughs> it hey, does. everybody. That's me just annoying my husband. That's him annoying Welcome me. Welcome to Mama Mystery. So uh, what's up, guys? I'm so excited because we have a lot to talk about today. We've got a big case. It's been recommended by a bunch of people. And we also have some new Patreons to thank. So let's go ahead and start that. I'm going to go ahead and thank our newest Patreons, Megan Robinson. Megan. Mandy Jeffers. Mandy in the house. Sarah Dimitrov. I feel like I've said this before. Um. A Rachie Mama, Rachel Pruitt. Heck yeah. And Cassandra Simpson. Way to go. Is it Cassandra or Cassandra? Doesn't matter. She's she, going to she let knows, me know. She's going to hear it, it and she's going to tell me. That's right. Thank you guys so much um, for your, for your patronage. Okay, so um, real quick before I forget, somebody sent an article to me that said the Kendrick Johnson case is being reopened. Is, wait, wait, wait. I remember this one. That's the one where he was upside down in the wrestling mats. Correct. Go back and listen to it super early on. Weird, quick one. Crazy. It's been reopened, huh? It has been reopened. So if you listen to my episode on it, it's actually the audio that it was extracted from a YouTube video I made. So you could you could look me up on YouTube if you wanted to. Um, or you could just go to the podcast. That was back in the day. But I just wanted to explain, though, that it was from a YouTube video because the audio is like way different and the structure of it's different. So if you're wondering, like, this is kind of weird and different... It's because Austin wasn't even on it with me. Yeah, I didn't even appear until episode whatever. Yeah. So anyway, um, Kendrick Johnson, though, they're re- reopening the case. I think that's super interesting. And uh, yeah, I'm eager to see what comes of that. Cool, cool, cool. So tell me, Austin has said he was going to tell me about something to do with the mail. Oh, yeah. But he's been refusing to tell me because he wants my genuine reaction. I'm surprised you remembered. Okay, so I know the ladies at the post office, Renee and Shelly. And the other day, I'm in the post office. That's so cute doing, that you know the male ladies at the post office. I think that's just adorable. So I'm they in the post it. office the other day doing some business. And Renee goes, hey, um, Austin, did your wife send out some mail? And I go, yeah, the mail with blood all over it? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, it was nail polish. And like, I kind of was like, yeah, she has a Mama Mystery podcast. And Renee goes, okay, well, that's funny. Well... Um, we pulled them and we, we pulled them when we pulled all the mail, we pulled them and we thought it was real blood. And so we called our supervisor and we thought that they pulled them. But since you, since, since people are receiving them, I don't think that the supervisor actually pulled them and they didn't go. 
But she goes, yeah. I, so she kind of laughed. Renee, oh Renee if you're listening. She kind of laughed, but then she was like, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, right now, the, with everything going on, I'm touching real blood. And I said, maybe not the time for the joke. And she goes, maybe not the right time. And I said, okay. I'll, and she said, made a comment about putting the blood on the inside next time. And so... Oh, but the supervisor God. obviously let him go because they called the supervisor. The supervisor pulled them, but then let him go because people were receiving them. So if you're a patron and you didn't receive it, then maybe that's why. But oh, that's a good <laughs> point. I haven't had anybody say they have not received stickers. So if you stickers. didn't receive it, though, that's why. It's yeah. If you if you're a Patreon and you didn't get your stickers, it's because Austin drew drew all over every single envelope with real blood. With Don't nail poli- real blood. You already said it was nail polish. Anyway, you drew all over them, and then he wrote notes next to every single stripe or swipe or whatever of polish saying stuff like real DNA juice, real blood from case number 34. Oh, my God, real blood. American blood on one of our stickers that went to a U.K. listener. Kelly Kelly told me not to do it, and I didn't listen. Well, and then to make it even worse, you drew a lot of it where the no, stamp I'm sorry. goes. I didn't, I didn't make that clear. On one of them, I put blood, and I put Kelly told me not to do it, and I didn't listen like you you made the blood come out of me. Anyways, it was really funny. And I'm wondering if the one in the UK or the few in the UK, if they're going to get it. Because, she did. Okay, well, that's kind of And it only a took a week. Mail. That's great. Fantastic. Yeah, she got hers. I hope you all enjoyed the messages. I had fun with it. You oh, guys man. are fun to talk to, too. <laughs> you on, guys are fun to talk to, even messages. though we are just talking to ourselves. Well, no, sometimes yeah, we I get, get messages. on the messages on Kelly's phone and I say weird stuff to you guys like, I like turtles. Yeah, sometimes, you know, so, most of you don't know me well enough to know if you're getting a response from me or from Austin. Oh, but you'll know. Once you get to know me, you'll definitely know. Or once you get to know me. Um, one more thing about stickers. So there's been recommendations by multiple people, not only the person who left the review, but the infamous review. There's been people requesting stickers of quotes from that review so like the titanic is a big boat that went splash i'm making a sticker right now in my phone that's gonna say that and then um there was something else there was something else there was something else i can't remember but anyway those are gonna be coming next month so sign up for our patreon if you want those stickers all right are you ready i'm not picking my nose you're literally picking your nose on the camera austin i mean on the on the podcast (laughs) I need a new host. I need a I'm new a co-host. co-host. I need a new co-host. Okay. Let's get into the show. So this case was recommended by multiple people, but for some reason I couldn't figure out how, or I'm sorry, who all sent me this case. Although I do know at least one of them was Cheyenne Miller. So thank you, Cheyenne. I realize I need to come with a better system for case recommendations because I get them all the time and I've just been keeping a note in my phone, but it's getting super long. Um, keep them coming, but just know I'm going to try to figure out a better way for that. So anyway, today's case is about Maddie Clifton. This case actually happened back in 1998, but it's becoming more popular because a TikTok went viral talking about this case. So some of you may have already heard about it, but um, I know I know Austin hasn't. So I haven't heard about anything. You don't know shit about Jack. All right. All right. So Maddie Clifton was born on June 17th of 1990. She had brown hair, bangs that just rested on her forehead right above her big brown eyes and her perfectly placed freckles. She was a really adorable kid. 
Her parents, Steve and Sheila Clifton, had two girls. First was Jesse, then they had Maddie, just a few years later. And they grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, in a neighborhood called Lakewood. Real quick, you are yawning already, and somebody pointed out in a podcast you yawned like multiple times. Are you serious? So if you're going to yawn, at least pull the mic away because somebody you're going to make people out tired. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? I you take offense to that. <laughs> I oh take gosh. offense to that. I enjoy I'm not them. Boring. I'm just yawning and I'm tired as all get out right now. Okay. Next time you yawn, you need to pull it away from your mouth. Will do. All right. Stop picking your nose. I'm not picking my nose. Go. Oh my God. Okay. So anyway, Jacksonville, Florida is where they grew up in a neighborhood called Lakewood. So growing up, the family went on vacations. They went fishing and skiing. Jesse and Maddie were super close, best friends. Maddie played basketball and piano. She had a zest for life and a heart for the underdog. According to her sister, when she watched a show, she'd root for scary people or scary things because she didn't like the idea of people or things feeling lonely or being isolated. So November 3rd of 1998, it was election day, and Sheila had just gotten home after voting. The moment she got home, Maddie ran out of the house saying that she would be home for dinner, and she was seen hitting some golf balls outside, and then she headed home to get some more golf balls to hit, but then she just simply disappeared. So... Maddie never made it home that night, and on the next day, November 4th, a search for Maddie was well underway. And to be clear, her parents did report her missing the night she went missing. They didn't wait till the 4th. Good. I don't like when they wait. Yeah. They reported her missing on the 3rd. Um, <clears throat> flyers of Maddie's Maddie were being distributed by thousands of volunteers. On the flyer, Maddie was pictured wearing the same red YMCA t-shirt that she was wearing the day before when she went missing. Volunteers lined the streets, handing out flyers to anyone who would stop and grab one. And it's pretty amazing to look at some of the pictures because, I mean, the entire community came out and rallied trying to find this girl. It would be the equivalent of just people lining the streets of, you know, like the popular streets in our city, just handing out flyers. Why are you smiling? Because you almost like, you're just funny. Because I almost detailed where we live. <laughs> hey, everybody, just so you can know exactly where we live. <laughs> I didn't. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> November 6th, Steve and Sheila Clifton hold a press conference in the neighborhood where they live and where Maddie disappeared. The activity in the community was nonstop. Cops, reporters, and even National Guard troops were dedicating their time to finding Maddie. November 7th, classmates and cheerleaders from the local middle school are handing out flyers before the Jaguars game at the Altel Stadium. So the days keep going by, no sign of Maddie, but everybody is coming out and trying to help find this little girl. November 10th, Maddie's parents had just finished taping an interview with the national national news station when their neighbor, Missy Phillips, ran across the street to find a police officer. She had gone into her son's room when she noticed a wet spot on the floor near his waterbed, and she assumed that maybe his bed was leaking, but when she looked under his bed, she found the body of Maddie Clifton. No. I just got the goosebumps. Dang it. Yeah. That freaking sucks. Yeah. 
That same day, Jacksonville Sheriff Nat Glover. She found them. She found her in their own house mm-hmm. under a bed. The neighbor did. In their house. The neighbor found Maddie in her house, like in the neighbor's house. Yeah. Yes. Under her son's bed. Oh, I got the goosebumps again. That's Mm -hmm. crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. So the Jacksonville Sheriff, Nat Glover, holds a press conference to announce that Maddie's body has been found under the waterbed of her 14-year-old neighbor, Josh Phillips. She was found only partially clothed in a red YMCA t-shirt, and she had been beaten and stabbed. Man, this freaking case sucks. So police go to Josh's school and bring him to the station where he confessed to killing Maddie within only a couple hours. He tells police that he he accidentally hit Maddie with a baseball, like they were tossing a baseball back and forth. He hit the baseball and it came back and hit her in the face, he said. And then he panicked because he feared that he would get in trouble. So he said that when the baseball hit Maddie in the eye, it caused her to bleed, cry, and scream. And he was terrified of his father and how he would react. So he dragged Maddie into his house, which is when he said her clothes came off because he was dragging her on the ground, and brought her to his room, stuffing her underneath his bed. His dad got home shortly after, and Josh talked to him for a little bit before going back to his room to check on Maddie. At this point, he said she was still alive, but that she was moaning. So he pulls her out, stabs Maddie in the chest seven times with a knife from a Leatherman tool. So Joshua Phillips was born in Allentown, Pennsylvania on March 17th, 1984 to Steve and Melissa or Missy Phillips. Steve was a drug addict and an alcoholic who was often violent towards Missy and Joshua. And for some reason, Stephen had a particular dislike for little girls. He would not allow Joshua to play with girls in the neighborhood. And even Missy prayed to God that she would have a boy when she was pregnant with Joshua, like before they found out that he was a boy. So this dislike towards girls started before Joshua was ever born. It's due to the root of the problem. Even Maddie's mom said that Joshua was a friend to Maddie, and Maddie was never scared of him. Growing up, neighbors described Josh as being quiet and friendly, but at home, Joshua and Missy were walking on eggshells for fear of setting Steve off. So when Maddie went missing, he acted like he had no idea where she was or what had happened and offered to look for her. How many days passed? Um, November 3rd was the day that she disappeared. November 10th was the day she was found. So a full week. So, um, he even offered up a picnic table to the volunteers searching for Maddie, which her offered family. Offered up a picnic table? What are you talking about? Like, so in the neighborhood, he like brought out this picnic table so that the volunteers could like sit at, like use the picnic table for their searches. Just to, like sit down and maybe organize flyers or just whatever. He was just trying to help. Yeah, but his family, or I mean, I'm sorry, Maddie's family found that to be so helpful. Meanwhile, he was putting air fresheners and incense in his room to hide the smell of Maddie's decomposing body. And every night he would sleep right on top of her, knowing she was underneath. So on November 11th, Josh appears in front of a judge for the first time, but doesn't speak. 
A few days later on November 14th, Maddie's funeral procession is lined with thousands of people on either side of the street. Stuffed animals, flowers, posters, candles, everything posted outside the San Jose Catholic Church, which was the same church where Maddie accepted her first communion. The parking lot was littered with flowers and gifts from mourning community members. The community was hugely affected by Maddie's murder. Parents from her school picked their kids up early from school, and even the kids were sobbing when they learned of Maddie's death. Um, This was a really tight-knit community. So there's pictures from when this all happened of people just crying and like holding each other in the street even when they found out that Maddie had died. November 16th, state attorney Harry Shorstein explains during a press conference that Joshua Phillips will be tried as an adult for the murder of Maddie Clifton. And for the next several months, Joshua's attorney, Richard Nichols, puts together a case to try and prove that what happened to Maddie was not premeditated. Rather, it was just an accident and that manslaughter would be more appropriate. April 22nd of 1999, so the following year, Judge Charles... Is he in jail for all that time? Yeah. Judge Charles Arnold moves the trial to Polk County because of pretrial publicity in Jacksonville. Every step of the trial was broadcast on court TV, and the state argued that Joshua's version of events just did not make sense. There was no indication that he was ever playing baseball with her or that she ever got hit in the eye. The autopsy showed no injury to her eye, so the physical evidence just wasn't there. Joshua said that her pants and underwear came off as he dragged her from his backyard to his bedroom, but Maddie had no sand or dirt on her body. And how old was Maddie at the time? Maddie was eight. Oh, my God. There was also no blood found in the backyard or leading to his room, suggesting that all of her injuries occurred while she was in his room. Um, whether or not a sexual assault occurred, I could not find any information on that. I think if it had occurred, it would be more like it would have been easily accessible. I would have seen it. So I didn't see that it didn't occur and I didn't see that it did. So, you know, I assume something happened because her underwear and pants were both gone. But um, anyway, that's all I've got. So Josh could have stopped at any point. It was Josh that said she was still moaning under his bed when she was found and <clears throat> or when when he went to check on her. And when she was found, her hand was found gripping the bre- the bed frame. So, which that just breaks my heart cuz she died under that bed and she never had to die and Maddie did not die instantly. So, None of this makes sense. It just makes my stomach hurt because this is just so senseless. But um, during trial, Detective William Taylor demonstrated how Joshua used a Leatherman tool and stabbed Maddie in the throat and then also in her chest. During closing arguments, state attorney Harry Shorstein held the bat that Joshua used to beat Maddie to death And Josh never took the stand or uttered one single word during the trial. This case pisses me off. And I'm going to tell you, this is exactly why I don't get super into true crime. And I never have to list podcasts. And all you people who like get into this true crime, it's crazy to me. We're just wired different. And obviously you enjoy this. Like 
Like, obviously, you don't enjoy the the brutality of it and everything, but like, I don't like. Okay, I'm stopping this whole thing for a second. Okay, it's not in my podcast. Mm-hmm. What do you like about the like, like crimes like this? So it's not that or like I like mysteries or whatever like this. Sure, it's not that I like it. It's not that I'm I'm like sitting over Obviously, here steaming like, like ooh, this weirdo. is enjoyable. Right. I guess I just find it really interesting to think about the human condition. I hate thinking about what Maddie went through. That yeah, bothers miserable. me. That definitely bothers me. And I have kids of my own. I have a soft spot in my heart that is affected when I read this stuff. Right. So re- is it like a perspective thing? retelling it isn't as hard because I've already read it and I've already done all this research as I'm going through it. I'm always, I'm not always in the best mood Mm -hmm. because yeah, it sucks to Mm -hmm. read it all. But then I think about the human condition and like what would drive a person to do something like this? Like I've watched American murder on Netflix about the Chris Watts case so many times that I've memorized half of it. And I think what gets me is that I'm just, I'm trying to understand why this happens. Mm -hmm. Like, so in this case, and I'll talk about it in a minute because I have it, I'll, I have it written in here. But like, what would cause Josh to do this like to make psychology. a decision like this? Yes, the psychology behind it. Like, that's what intrigues me. That's what is drawing me to it. And I think it comes from being a naturally compassionate person. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. It's not that I have compassion for a serial killer. I think serial killers or even just murderers in general are horrible, awful people. But I want to understand what makes somebody turn from this good, quiet, friendly little neighbor like Joshua Phillips or this, you know, shy, timid, keeps to himself, good dad, Chris Watts, to just snapping. And like in this case, there's the whole psychology and the roots behind it of this dad. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he has a complete, a whole lot of issues, which I'm sure you're going to get yes. into. Yes. So like that, that's what I genuinely want to know. Like, so like... I know I sound funny because we're sitting here on a crime podcast and I'm mm-hmm. like hating on it, but mm-hmm. it just like, no, I don't take it like that. I don't take it personally if you're a or new anything. Listener, I don't like, like I, it's not, like I don't like it. I've just never been into crime and Kelly always loves it. Like she'll watch the Chris Watts thing 200 times and always watches these crimes and stuff. And I always wonder like why, and like, I, don't get me wrong over the past, you know, how many episodes have we done? 40, 45. Okay. So I've enjoyed a lot of them. Like I enjoy the stories and stuff and like mm-hmm. I can, I can, um, I don't say I enjoy them. It sounds sick. Right. I, I've enjoyed You're intrigued the by them. Intrigued. Like, and you I, find them interesting. And, like, the, the psychology, I do think, like, in the cases that don't hit home as much, like, when there's kids and stuff, the psychology of it, I, I'd get more into it. This one, I'm triggered to think of the psychology and stuff, but it triggers me and pisses me off to, like, think of what this little girl goes through. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's sickening. Yeah, and the kids' ones are for sure way harder. Like, I I am very intrigued and interested in true crime, but I cannot bring myself to finish watching Paradise Lost because the very opening scene is of these three boys that were found in a creek, and it shows their bodies. And I can't handle it, so I have not watched it. See, all the trials of Gabriel Hernandez on Netflix, it was a huge deal back when, like, Tiger King and, like, the beginning of the pandemic or lockdown. People were talking about it. I can't bring myself to watch it. Mm-hmm. So there are some cases where I'm like, no, I draw the line here. Mm-hmm. Like this one, like I'm listening to you. I, I, I hate hearing it. 
And I would never want to see any pictures from this case or anything. I haven't seen any at all. Are you, And that's the other thing. It's really hard for this particular case for some reason to find a lot of information on it. Um, and it, I had to like dig to find any information just about Maddie as a human being, like how she was as a kid, because it just doesn't exist. But um, I do try, though, my best to like honor each victim's life by telling you about who they were when they were alive and, you know, details like that. But it helps you figure the psychology of it all out. Yeah. In some cases. cases, Yeah. And I mean, with Joshua Phillips, like I talk about him a little bit too, but, um, you know, I, are people born bad or are they taught to be bad? You know, that's, that's always like the question that's at the root of some of these stories. I do think some people are just born a different type of way. Like the, the guy we just talked about, um, Todd Kolheb, mm-hmm. born bad. He's just an absolute dick, piece of shit, like born bad. It's there was no fixing yeah. that guy. But Joshua Phillips was raised by an alcoholic, drug addict, abusive father. And so I'm not saying that excuses what he did, but it gives you an insight as to why he did it. So I think, right. you know, when you look at people, you know, just like me watching American Murder, I look at this guy, Chris Watts, and I'm like reading his body language. I'm like watching like how his relationship was broadcast on social media and just how everything was portrayed. And I just find it all really interesting because I don't think Chris Watts was born bad. I think he was driven to a point in his mind that he snapped, he was having an affair. And I don't say that to say it was Shanann's fault. I think he was dealing with some internal things that were festering and festering and he never took care of them and he snapped. What episode did we cover Chris Watts? That was a long time ago. Did we cover Chris Watts or did I do a video? Yeah. We might have to revisit it because it it does just really interest me. And I think too, I think about it because I'm like, this could have been your neighbor. This could be anybody. This is as, as simple as like one of our next door neighbors with the sun. You never know what's going on behind closed doors. You never think it could happen next to you, next door to you, or in your town even. Yeah, Chris Watts was until by it does. on episode five. And yeah, so that would be a video. Yeah, but you can go back to it and listen to it. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Sorry, I derailed us. Sorry. No, it's okay though, but I think it's an interesting, it's a conversation worth having because I think that's what most people who listen to us enjoy is the fact that I'm into true crime and you're not. And so a lot of people relate to my position because of you, because a lot of relationships, there's typically one person into true crime and the other really isn't, um, or even like friendships, you know? So a lot of people are probably like, man, that's exactly how my husband would react. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, back to the trial for Joshua Phillips. It did not take long for jurors to reach their conclusion. On July 8th of 1999, at age 14, Joshua Phillips was found guilty. And uh, and that was of first-degree murder. And on August 20th, he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Age 14. So I want to know now. Mm-hmm. I mean, any, I'm assuming nothing happened to the dad. The dad died in a car accident the very next year. No way. Mm-hmm. I got the goosebumps again. Yeah. 
So three years went by as the Clifton family tried to adjust to their new normal, but Maddie's mom, Sheila, really couldn't handle living across the street from where her daughter was killed. And her marriage to Steve deteriorated to the point where they divorced. So Sheila moved into her mom's house in the same neighborhood, allowing her to still be close to Jesse. To this day, Jesse still lives in the family home and is actually in the process, or maybe it's completed by now, but um, of buying it from her dad, who had since moved out. And she had a really hard time growing up after the death of her sister, because before Maddie was killed, she was described... I'm sorry, she described her classmates as having little to no interest in her because she was a self-proclaimed geek, but that after Maddie died, everybody seemed to want to know her, and she really resented that. But what I found most heart-wrenching was the compassion she felt for Josh's mom, Missy, because after everything happened, Missy rarely left the house for fear of being accosted for what her son had done. But Jesse felt a real empathy for her because she lost her sister and Missy Missy lost her son and then, of course, her husband. And Jesse said, quote, a loss is a loss. So she would race out to help Missy unload her groceries or she'd walk her dog when she noticed that Missy got home in hopes that like Missy would come out and interact with her. And I just think that's like such an interesting relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's just, it's not what you would expect, but I think it like reinstills your faith in humanity that like speaks to the volumes of the person, the character that she has. Yeah. And like, I feel horrible for Missy because Missy was in this abusive relationship and then her son does this horrible thing. She loses him to the system and she's just alone. And then everyone probably looks at her and thinks this is her fault, what her son has done. And of all people to reach out and try to comfort her, it's the victim's sister. That's crazy. Yeah. That's really interesting. So in 2012, the U.S. Supreme Court case of Miller versus Alabama ruled that sentencing juveniles to mandatory life sentences without parole is unconstitutional. So in November of 2015, Joshua's attorneys tried to get him a resentencing hearing. He was granted this hearing, but during the hearing, Maddie's mom and sister both requested that his sentence be upheld. In November of 2017, Joshua was resentenced to life in prison, but this time he is eligible for resentencing again in 2023, and his sentencing will be reviewed again and could be modified based on demonstrated maturity and rehabilitation. But I also want to point out that I read that um, Jesse's main concerns were that Uh, He apparently, Joshua had an obsession apparently with Jesse and he had also, Maddie's sister, sister. yeah, that he had an obsession with her and that he also had been searching or like watching on his computer, um, really violent porn. So like BDSM, I guess, is that what that would be? I think that's what that is. I can't, I can't think off the top of my head what that stands for. I don't even think I know what it stands for, but violent porn. Um, and so there were things that came up about Josh that kind of indicated that maybe he, you know, just had a kind of a sick, a sick mind. I'm going to say this. I, if I put myself in the shoes of her mom, 
I, I forget her. I forget all the names. Um, which mom? Names. The mom that went to the trial to make sure Joshua's was upset. So that would be Sheila. If That's I, Ma- Maddie's mom. Yeah, if I put myself in the shoes of Maddie's mom or anybody mm-hmm. in Maddie's family, I would want it upheld. Oh, I would too. And you know, that's the thing. Like I would still want it upheld, but I'd still have compassion for Missy. Yeah. And I think that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That piss me off. I'm really sorry I put you in a bad mood, babe. I didn't mean to do that. Before bed. Good night, guys. We'll shoot him. Sorry. Everybody, thank you for listening. Oh my God. You don't have to yell. Pull it back a little bit. Everybody, thank you very much for listening. Have a fantastic weekend. I hope I didn't ruin your day with this case. Jeez Louise. It was good. I mean, like, you did a good job. That's what I say. Well, thank you. Mama. We'll be back. Mystery. See ya. Out. Bye. Oh, look at that pocket mirror. Cute. No, that's a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 4. Wait, it was so tiny, but it just unfolded into a full-size phone. Wow. She's only gone and popped it on the side and took a selfie. Totally hands-free. Nice. Would you look at her now? She's watching a movie while getting her hair done. I'm well, gel. Flexible design for any situation with the Galaxy Z Flip 4. A serious flex.